Welcome to another episode of the Neoliberal Podcast. It is January 2, 2024. It's a new year, and we would like to wish you a happy new year here at the Neoliberal Round Podcast and the Neoliberal Corporations Journals and Feeds. There's lots happening this year for me and uh, for us here at the Neoliberal Corporation. And we will announce that later on. We're also going to be doing a year in review show where we lift up. We have over, we have, I think, about 300 episodes. We will share some of the moments um, that made 2023, but that's for later. And we are starting a new series. Uh, we're starting a new season. Um, we completed season seven um, in the 2023, and this is 2024, and we begin a new episode. But of course, this particular episode is a filler episode. And, um, and I would like to lift up a quick um, a quick note, a quick commentary on some recent happenings that's um, in the world today. Um, it's a new year, but already um, we are seeing several major news coming as, and in this and in recent weeks, the academic world has witnessed a series of leadership shakeups following campus protests at various institutions like the University of Pennsylvania, Massachusetts Institute of Technology and Harvard University. Now, the aftermath has raised pertinent questions about gender bias and expectations for leadership and the intricate narrative surrounding the resignations of prominent female figures. Now, in this, in, and um, I actually blogged an article about this, and in this particular episode of the Liberal Podcast, I want to quickly explore the nuances of the recent resignations, focusing on the cases of Liz McGill, who was the vice pre- who was the president at the University of Pennsylvania, Claudine Gay, who um, were, um, who resigned, or well, news broke of her resignation today from Harvard University, and it was it's quite historical. The she is the first person, the first black president, I believe, female president, and the first one to resign in such a short time. And of course, Sally Ann um, Cor- um, Cornblanth. And, and we want to look at the broader implications of gender bias in leadership roles. Um, of course, there's always there's cause for Sally Ann Cornblanth resignation. We'll get into that real quickly um, um, in, a, in a few minutes from now. But today's episode is entitled. Um, brief filler episode is entitled Untangling the Threads of Leadership Gender Bias in the Fallout of Campus Protests. Again, it's entitled Untangling the Threads of Leadership Gender Bias in the Fallout of Campus Protests. And I actually, um, I actually blogged recently, I actually blogged some time ago. And if I could find that blog, blog I would share that with you quickly. I can't find it for some it's a reason um, um, I blogged some time ago, and I'm actually trying to find that blog um, for you guys. If you just give me a second, I'll find it for you. Um, I blogged recently that all these women's jobs are on the line. After failing to appear sensitive and sympathetic enough to Jewish students in their apology over protests on their college campuses, Penn, MIT, and Harvard. Uh, and, and harbored by students, they are now being forced to resign. Question Is there discrimination in expectations for males as against female leadership? Is there discrimination in expectations for males 
as against female leadership. Women can lead, but must appear soft. Men, not so much. But what about other colleagues with students who were protesting on their campuses, such as Georgetown and others? These presidents have not been so lucky, or unlucky, I might, I might say. How many are men and how many are women, let alone black? We'll pick up where we left off right after this. series of leadership shakeups following campus protests at prestigious institutions like the University of Penn, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and Harvard University. The aftermath has raised pertinent questions about gender bias, in expectations for leadership, and the intricate narratives surrounding the resignations of prominent female figures. In this episode, we explore an article that was submitted in the Neoliberal Journals at theneoliberal.com, exploring the nuances of the recent resignations, focusing on the cases of Liz McGill, Claudine Gay, and Sally and Cornbluff, and of course, the broader implications of gender bias in leadership roles. Firstly, the unfortunate resignations. The resignation of Liz McGill and Claudine Gay, and Sally and Cornbluff, were shaped by protests on college campuses. Where these leaders were, well, I might add, I don't believe Sally and Cornbluff have resigned as yet, so I need to correct this editorial because um, they haven't. But the resignation of Liz McGill, Claudine Gay, um, and the um, and of course, and one is looming for there's one and there there is a, there are calls for Sally and Cornbluff um, Bluff to resign, but all these this news have sparked. Uh, they were sparked by protest, were sparked all the news of these resignations or the resignations of these individuals, prominent individuals in schools, were sparked by protests on college campuses, where these leaders, leaders were perceived as, as failing to address the concerns of various student groups adequately. However, what's striking is the apparent gender disparity in the aftermath of these protests. While male leaders in similar situations seem, seem to weather the storm with their positions intact, their female counterparts are being forced to step down. This raises a crucial question. 
is there a discriminatory lens through which we view and evaluate male and female leadership? Secondly, the expectations on women in leadership. The prevailing narrative suggests that women in leadership positions are expected to display a level of sensitivity and sympathy that their male counterparts are not burdened with. The recent resignations underscore this discrepancy, hinting at an inherent bias that demands women to lead while also adhering to societal expectations of softness and empathy. In contrast, male leaders are often afforded more latitude in their leadership styles, not being, not being constrained by the same expectations of warmth and sensitivity. Next, the issue of overcomplication and justification. Overcomplication and justification. Now, the term overcomplification um, over aptly describes the situation surrounding these resignations, especially in the case of Claudine Gay. The justifications for her departure seemed to multiply, introducing negatives that were previously unheard of. Overcomplication occurs when explanations become unnecessarily complex or convoluted, often employed to rationalize decisions or behaviors. In this context, it appears as though there was a pre-existing desire for these female leaders to vacate their positions, and the protests served as a convenient pretext. Now, on the issue of Bill Hackman, Bill Hackman's focus on MIT's president. The ripple effect of these resignations continues, with influential figures like Bill Hackman turning their Bill Ackman turning their attention to MIT's president, Sally and Cornbluff. This development raises concerns about a potential pattern, further highlighting the need to scrutinize the treatment of women in leadership roles within academic institutions. Now, I have said previously in a, in a, in a post after the resignation of Ms. McGill, I, have to, I tweeted and posted and, and, and um, I wrote an article about this indicating that this, the, issue, the issue of anti-Semitism in schools and the protest by the students, it is an issue that requires tremendous sensitivity on both parts. And as a president who sits at a particular place, the way in which the the way in which they have to toe the line is quite evident because of the kind of school it's, it's as if they're in a they're between a rock and a hard place or it's an ethical dilemma damned if you do damned if you don't because they have to promote and facilitate free speech and intellectualism while at the same time they have to stamp out anti-semitism and, and, and of course of course i i said in the tweet earlier um, that women can lead but must appear soft and that these women these women's jobs are on the line after failing to appear sensitive and sympathetic enough sympathetic enough to Jewish students in their apology over protests on their, on their college campuses it is as if this they wanted them to they were forcing these leaders forcing these individuals to say what they wanted them to say and how they believe they should say how they believe that they should pay upon how they they were defining and lifting the bar that satisfies apology and can i tell you there's nothing that these um uh, that, that these presidents could have said that would suffice
there's nothing. What about, and I'm, I'm going to say this again, what about other colleges with students who were protesting on their campuses, such as Georgetown and others? These presidents have not been so unlucky. How many are men and how many are women, let alone black? Moreover, why does it seem that they are trying to exacerbate the justification for forcing Claudine Gay to resign? We call this an oversimplification. Suddenly, she, Claudine, had many more negatives that we never heard about to add to why they wanted her to go. When people stretch a reason to justify an action, it can be described as over-complicating or over-justifying. This involves making an explanation more complex or convoluted than necessary, often to rationalize or defend a decision or behavior. In some cases, people may engage in over-complication to obscure the true motives or to provide an excessive amount of justification for action. It seems evident here. It is as if they had always wanted gay and these other women to be the helm of their institution of these institutions and this provided an opportunity now bill hackman is turning his focus on mit's president after harvard and harvard and uh, harvard and penn and penn president resigned This is the Neil Veron podcast. I'm Ronaldo McKenzie. And again, um, I just want to announce that we will be releasing the neoliberal um, uh, globalization reconsidered, neo capitalism and the death of nations shortly. The book is quite powerful and it is passionate. And you cannot afford to not to miss that book. Um, it is bold. It is an, I said to you guys, it is a novel text that is bold, which combines the style of combining the styles of satire, stories in novels, and Socratic Platonic dialogue within a neat compendium that's coherent to provide a critical analysis in society from a subaltern perspective with impassioned emotions, yet not short of the truth, and is profoundly deep and impacting written by yours truly, Bernardo McKenzie, with contributions from Martin Oppenheimer, published by the Neoliberal Corporation via Inverb Spark. It is a book worth reading. It will be available in hardcover, paperback, ebook, audio book at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, audible.com, both here in the US and the UK, and we want to do the translation in Spanish shortly. It will be available at Walmart, Target, and um, of course, here at the Neoliberal Corporation bookstore. In the meantime, get your copy of the first book in the series because it's going to be a series. There's part one, part two. This is the, the book that I'm talking about, Neoliberal Globalization, Reconsider New Capitalism and the Death of Nations. We have completed, we, we updated the cover concept. It was going to be a black backdrop, but we've completed. I want it to pop. I want it to stand out. So the book is beautiful and the reading is sublime. The reading is deep, it's passionate, it is eclectic, it is interdisciplinary. Um, it is, it, I, I cannot wait for you guys to get a hold of 
this magnum opus. It's um, it's it's more it's many more pages than the first book. First book had about three hundred fifty-four pages. The book two in the Nearly Boilism book series. This book entitled Nearly Book Globalization Reconsidered. This one will have about five hundred pages, um, probably more. But um, no, it's it's five hundred. But depending on the formatting and so when we upload it to the publishing portal, they will see how many pages. But for now, it's about five hundred. It's about four hundred and sixty something, sixty nine pages. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Of course, we're available on any stream. Subscribe for free, and you know we are we constantly ask you guys to donate to us. Um, we appreciate um, uh, Winston McKenzie who continue to donate to the podcast, but we are hoping that you can donate as well. Support us so that we can expand and we can grow. We can um, show. Um, you can pre-order the book. If you'd like to have conversations with me about the book, please, you can send me a tweet at Ronaldo, Ronaldo McKenzie on Twitter. It's Ronaldo McKenzie. Um, R-E-N-A-L-D-O-M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. Um, you can send me an email at McKenzie at gmail.com. Um, you can message me by or you can visit the nailable.com website or ronaldocmckenzie.com and send me a message there. Uh, I'm on Facebook at ronaldo.mckenzie. I'm on LinkedIn at Reverend Ronaldo C. McKenzie. I'm on um, TikTok at Ronaldo C. McKenzie. And of course, um, I'm also on Reddit and so on and so forth. There's nowhere where we are not. Please support us. And we're looking forward to and a dynamic and a powerful 2024. I resume classes at um, Georgetown University um, doing the Doctor of Liberal Studies program there. And um, I'm also resuming teaching as um, at the Jamaican Theological Seminary, teaching Caribbean thought to college students at the seminary who will, who will, who will fully enjoy the course this semester. This is the Nailable Podcast. What good? <laughs>